Support for this podcast comes from Eightfold. Eightfold delivers the talent intelligence platform, the most effective way for companies to identify promising candidates, reach diversity hiring goals, retain top performers and engage talent. Eightfold's patented artificial intelligence-based platform empowers enterprises to turn talent management into competitive advantage. To find out more, go to www.8fold.ai. That's www.8fold.ai. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 268 of the Recruiting Future podcast. As regular listeners will know, I'm currently mixing podcast content to provide information and insights that are valuable for right now during the pandemic and insights which will help everyone as we plan for the future. This episode is a right now episode. My guest this week is Jerry Crispin. As many of you will already know, Jerry is the co-founder of Career Crossroads, a long-established community for talent acquisition leaders. In the interview, Jerry talks about what TA leaders are thinking, planning and doing right now, what's essential in the short and medium term, and the launch of a fantastic initiative to help the recruiting industry. Hi, Jerry, and welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure being here. An absolutely pleasure to have you back on the show as well. For the very few people out there who, who may not have um, heard of you or come across your work before, could you just give us a quick introduction and tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. Not, not a problem. I, I um, purposely confuse things by, by um, concentrating on calling myself a student. And obviously, I'm probably one of the oldest students around, but but I love uh, the approach of having more of an attitude of and, and reminding myself of being having an attitude of that kind of curiosity that we all had when when we were uh, students. And it reminds us more and more that uh, the world continues to change quickly. And uh, there's very little expertise out there because uh, you're, you're dealing with real time. And boy, that's that is the truth right now. But but basically, uh, for a living, what I do is to uh, support a community of talent acquisition leaders. I've been doing that for about 20 years. Career uh, Crossroads has been around for 25 years now this year. So, um, and basically was started in the mid-90s uh, to sort of um, take a look at how the, <laughs> the world was changing in recruiting. And uh, for the last 15 years, focused in on on building a community of people who, by and large, try to help each other um, succeed. And they're mainly uh, leaders in large companies. So that's basically it. Before we go any further, I just want to timestamp this episode and say that we're recording on Monday, the 11th of May, because that's, that's important if people are um, sort of listening back back from the future. 
as it, as it were in, in in a year's time and i still have content from sort of three or four years ago that people that people listen to with that in mind about where we are and what's happening you're obviously talking to um a lot of ta leaders as part of the community that you that you manage and build what's going on in the market right now what what are the, what are they saying um and um you know what, what what's happening what are they doing well i think I think talent acquisition leaders, one way or another, whether they're part of an existing community like mine or others, um, they have a, a true hunger right now for talking to one another about what they're doing because literally things are changing almost as we speak. Um, and and most of them have in the last two months been ripped out of the uh, 19th and 20th centuries. <laughs> And, and forced to deal with what's happening in the 21st century. Um, and, and you can see it on, on a whole host of different levels. I mean, we, we've been talking for years about um, uh, the digital shift from a recruiting point of view and automation and big data and all of those kinds of things. And we, we've had our toes in the water, some companies more than others, but you know, for example, one of the things that actually surprised me was how many uh, jobs were not filled until a hiring manager physically saw the candidate or the final candidates. And as you can imagine, that's changed a hundred, I mean, totally. So, so right now, most of the large companies select uh, any new hires that they have without ever seeing them physically in front of them. And that creates interesting opportunities for hiring managers to uh, get over uh, their needs. It changes the game for the company in terms of how they help the candidate make a decision when the candidates haven't had the opportunity to come in and meet either the hiring manager or the teams. Um, so it's just something simple like the shift to video as a something we did now and again as part of what we did to something we're doing 100% changes the cultural uh, feel of how we explain who we are and, and also in incorporates a whole set of decision making around how can we improve our selection process, uh, reduce the time that it takes to get it done, etc. So that's just that's just one thing. Um, another thing that we've uh, that I've observed in talking to many of the talent acquisition leaders out there is that when they when they spend time with their teams now, they're not they're not just starting in uh, with here are the goals for the day or the week or the month. And here, you know, here's what we need to get done rather than focusing in on work. Um, usually the first half hour or longer of most of these team meetings is now, you know, how are you? How's your family? How are things where you are? Uh, talk to us about, you know, helping us better understand what the challenges are uh, in your life because they may have their kids home and then they're doing school. 
They're, uh, they may be complicating things because relatives uh, may have uh, COVID-19. So any number of things exist now that make the emotional and mental uh, set of issues that interfere with getting work done a priority for leadership to address and acknowledge and deal with. And, and that, that shifts um, how uh, leadership styles to much more servant leadership than more the authoritarian, you know, um, let's get it done. So we're seeing, I think, significant changes that, that uh, suggest uh, a pivot from, uh, from goal-directed behaviors to more community-directed behaviors with the assumption that people who belong to communities uh, have higher engagement scores, more motivation to succeed long-term, and, and it goes on and on and on. So I'm seeing uh, very fundamental shifts. I will say that, you know, I look at it uh, from a different perspective than a lot of folks. I tend to I tend to have been an observer for a long, long time through a number of um, recessions. And this one uh, feels different in a variety of ways, almost uh, hearkening back to the to the Great Depression of a uh, hundred years ago, in the sense that it could be a long-term thing, number one. And two, we're using words like furlough in ways that um, I'd never heard it uh, heard, uh, used so frequently before. And implicit in that definition, which really has no standard definition, is that they're sending a message, our employers are sending a message to the workers that they've laid off that we want you back. And to the degree that that's true, that means that the employers feel a responsibility for the experience that those furloughed workers will have between the time they've been laid off and the time they return. In part, if only from a selfish point of view, that that may impact the conversion rate of, of getting those returning workers back. And those are just some of the things that are out there. There's certainly certainly a great deal more. Uh, absolutely. And, and from what you said there, there's, there's so much I want to kind of dig into um, dig into a bit deeper. It's interesting what you said, because we were, we were talking before I press record about an online conversation that, that you and me had back in February, which does feel like a different decade ago. I, I was writing about intelligent recruiting, the use of data and automation and all this sort of stuff. And you made the very valid point that, that many organizations are still stuck or were still stuck in the 19th and 21st century and uh, you know that made adoption problematic and and slow as you say this has turned everything on its head and from a lot of conversations that, that I've been having with with TA leaders it's all about embracing these things at a very high speed and, and thinking completely differently you said that this doesn't feel like a recession like any other How, what do you think happens as we as we come out of come out of this, or or at least establish the, the way that things work moving forward, do you think that this sort of behavioural change and, and different way of thinking is is going to stick, or will people go back to the way that they were behaving and acting before? Well, uh, I've had a lot of conversations 
on this this topic so far, and I'm sure that we're going to have a lot of conversations between now and the time we ascertain who's right. But I think the dependent variable is really the impact that this has on the candidates, not so much the employer. The employer clearly is going to be focused a lot more on the balance of working from home, uh, the use of video and other digital tools, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's going to be um, shifts that, that people are talking about, but they're primarily talking about it from the point of view of one or two stakeholders, the business leader who spends a lot of money on real estate <laughs> or, the, um, or the recruiter in terms of how their tools uh, and where they use their tools um, uh, take place, but but the real the real um, change is whether or not the 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 uh, job seekers, the folks who are the candidates, are going to change in terms of their growing power, if you will, to influence. I mean, we've seen it slowly and surely as um, things like Glassdoor become more important. Why? Because that's where candidates uh, bitch and moan about the experience that they've had. But, but until, until candidates truly believe that they want to work uh, for a company that takes more interest in them as individuals than in abusing their skills <laughs> and uh, knowledge and experience in return for pay as individuals, um, they're going to have to, we're going to have to see whether or not they collectively, as, as a set, uh, as a group of candidates, make choices differently. And that's, that is the key. The longer this lasts, the more likely we're going to shift the values and the weighting on those values that candidates make when they make decisions about who they want to work for. And if, if you start seeing candidates going, well, I looked up how you treated the candidates in this pandemic, and and that is inconsistent with my values, and there's no way that I would want to go forward in conversation with you about a job regardless of the money, then you've got something different. If you start seeing candidates as a group um, speaking out, in a way that forces the employer to change their practices in order for them to even hire anyone, um, then you're going to see some really uh, interesting shifts and changes. So, for example, in uh, the United States, uh, in a couple different uh, hospitals, nurses complained vocally and publicly about their lack of PPE and uh, the lack of safety that should have been taken uh, by the administrators in the hospitals, and some of those nurses were fired in the middle of the pandemic. But what happened was <laughs> uh, the outcry was such that the employers really had to shift. They had to change. And we found that some of the uh, hospitals that were in the greatest need 
but were doing everything that they could to listen to, to engage their employees in a total effort, if you will, were getting volunteers from everywhere coming who wanted to work for that place. And so when we get to a new place, uh, to what extent is safety, um, uh, health, um, and a community sense of belonging going to be critical uh, for the employer brand, if you will, of, of the kind of companies that will be more and more successful. Uh, and that's only we're only going to see that if, in fact, um, this lasts a little bit longer and, and we get on the other side. I, I potentially uh, believe that some new form of, of union uh, might take place, especially among hourly workers, as, as they realize, A, they're, they're often essential workers. They don't have a choice about whether to go to work in a pandemic. Uh, they're, they're the least paid in our society and the most abused. And as a group, they realize they've been pitted against one another. And so might, might essentially form much more of a guild kind of approach um than uh than we've ever than we've seen in many many decades I, I think that's that's really interesting particularly that aspect around community rethinking work and 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 how it balances with with life and flexible working and, and also the role of key workers and 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 how are they how how they're treated i think it, it makes for a very sort of dynamic and and complex situation because i suppose the the simplistic thinking would be around this world would be well hang on a minute we've gone from low unemployment in many, many countries to, to high unemployment literally in a week. Surely that means that employers have the, the, the pick of the, the candidates they want. But thinking you about would, it, that's You would think so, right? You would think so. And But the point is, do, still, do people still say, hey, I'm so hungry that food and shelter become the, the critical issue for me, so I'll take any job and be abused in any way, shape, or form. And I, I get that. I do get that. But but it doesn't take long before those things, if they're satisfied, are looking for something a little bit more. And there's no question that a huge number of uh, workers at every at every level have been rethinking uh, what it takes for one to you know think about a job in relation to a career and a career in relation to their life. Um, and and more and more, there's a community feeling in terms of how we help one another, either by neighborhood, by family, um, by extended uh, uh, colleagues and peers in professions. So you're seeing a lot of potential for change. Whether or not the change takes place, in my opinion, is is going to be thinking about it through the eyes of each of the stakeholders not just one of them absolutely i mean it's uh yeah it's a it's a very it's a very it's a very dynamic it's a very dynamic situation and yeah, people are absolutely rethinking their 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 relationship with with work all over the world i'm sure building on that community aspect i, I know that you've been part of an initiative that's, that's been launched to sort of help recruiters during during this time could you tell us a little bit little bit about that yeah it started really about four or five weeks ago sort of the beginning of April, um, 
at the end of March or beginning of April, that's when the rumors started. And I started hearing uh, my members talking about, um, it, we, we can't go public yet, but in a few days, we're going to lay off 50,000 people or 25,000 or 100,000. And I'm going, holy cow. And we're, we're going to furlough them. And, and so we started thinking about what, what does that mean? Um, and at the same time, we're seeing the efforts of probably the most resourced firms starting to cut out all of the middlemen. Um, and basically, uh, companies like uh, CVS and Hilton were having conversations that allowed for some of their furloughed workers literally to move overnight um, to CVS uh, with a lot of the in-between things like background checks and a variety of other things uh, dispensed with. Why? Because they, they'd already taken place in order to get the job with Hilton. So <laughs> why not just move them over? And so you you start you start hearing and seeing that Hilton is creating a partnerships one by one with a whole bunch of different companies who may still be hiring in order to help their workers and CVS in a surge of hiring is looking for partners as well who may be furloughed to make it faster easier um, to bring people over in mass uh, without uh, adding to their structures as well. And so I, th I thought that was absolutely fascinating. It was brilliant on the part of the TA leaders who were thinking that way. And in talking to them, he, they, were, it, they cared about the people. You know, um, uh, Hilton wanted to make sure that their furloughed workers were treated well. Uh, CVS realized that there may be a time at which in which the surge is over and they could walk back those workers to their previous employer. And th those kinds of ideas kind of stimulated a, a few of us to say, why don't we see if we could get a bunch of technology people together um, from some of the larger technology groups and see what could be done collectively in our space. And that did happen. And the employers in the room uh, described to a number of technology folks what good would look like. And many of the technology folks basically said, ah, we're, we're already there. We're already thinking about it. We're building our own thing. And so it became evident that there were a lot of lots of effort going on all over the world, really. Uh, to step up ideas, and they range from um, free uh, event tools to uh, to furloughed platforms to whatever. So we realized one of the things we should do is just capture some of the links to some of those uh, bigger platforms that are out there. Um, and the only the only downside of that is then each employer has to figure out which ones work for whomever. But <laughs> we also said, what could we do that would be um, a little bit 
narrower and might be more focused on a place that would engage people in a way that um, allowed for them to have a better conversation about what's going on, maybe even crowdsourcing which of the platforms work better than others and so on. And, and so several technology groups like um, Smart Recruiters and uh, Great People and several others came together and uh, with a number of employers and, and basically said, let's, let's see if we can take care of our own uh, in some way that's positive. So our own obviously are recruiters. Somebody said recruiters, recruiting recruiters. Uh, dot com and we said oh yeah that's that's awkward enough that I can't even say it right and I can't unhear it in my head so people will definitely remember that and because the employers were so concerned about making sure that this was a place that they could recommend to their recruiters that they furloughed uh, they agreed that there should be a code of conduct that employers would have. So, so embedded in this platform uh, are a couple things. One, all of the employers who are participating have to agree to a code of conduct, which um, probably the, the uh, which is really three things: setting expectations, delivering on those expectations, and the third is no black hole. And, and then we had to say, okay, well, how are we going to know that? And we're only going to know that if the, if the candidates who are there will tell us. So we built that part of it into the, into the platform. And then we, we decided that all approved um, employers who agreed to that code of conduct, we would get their jobs for recruiters by scraping their website twice a day, which we're doing. And so we know that there's about 300 open jobs among the 300 employers that are approved, many of whom have no jobs for recruiters at the, this time because they're laying them off. Um, and we, we also know that there's a whole bunch of folks who are looking for recruiters. And obviously they have to be part of that approved group. Um, and, and we've got about, I don't know, about four or 500 now uh, recruiters who are seeking openings, um, who are now profiling on the website. And we've created a directory to uh, guide them to other places like uh, what Accenture has put up and what Phenom has put up and Candidate ID and Intello. And it, there's so many different organizations that are trying to step up places where folks uh, can look for a job. Uh, but in, in our case, um, we want to continue to expand the idea of having recruiters potentially crowdsourcing what's working for them in terms of finding gigs and or full-time jobs. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. We're still uh, sort of launching this out. It was launched last week or a week and a half ago. And uh, we hope to uh, continue it for a while. And we also want to get uh, feedback from those who are using it because it's not about 
the number of jobs. It's about the quality of the experience and the ability to communicate um, and potentially build a little bit more community. And is this just US-based initiative or is it expanding globally? No, no, it's, it's global. Obviously, our ability to share information uh, tends to have um, more, more uh, US-centric uh, groups that are talking about it. But, you know, an example is, you know, just talking to you and uh, spoke a little bit to Hung Lee uh, last Friday. So we're continuing to try and and get in our consortium more uh, companies uh, and organizations who either are furloughing workers or looking for recruiters or who have a network and are adding their, in, you know, their support. Uh, to the consortium. So we would, uh, we'd certainly like to add you to the consortium uh, of folks who are supporting the standing up of this, as well as everything else that's out there. Absolutely. And where where can people go to find more information? Uh, recruiters, recruiting, recruiters, Dot com. And I don't think anyone will forget that once they've, once they've heard it <laughs> once. No, I know, I know. <laughs> Jerry, thank you very much for talking to me. It's my pleasure. Really is. Thank you, Matt. My thanks to Jerry Crispin. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow us on Instagram. You can find the show by searching for Recruiting Future. You can also listen and subscribe to the show on Spotify. You can find all the past episodes at www recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.